Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine. And a very warm welcome to you all. This is Racing World. I'm Darcy Watergrave. That's Bob McMurray. And that dude over there is David Turner. We've got plenty to talk about on this edition of the program. And we encourage you to subscribe, to like, wherever you're looking. It really helps us move this whole program forward. Of course, uh, YouTube is the way to go if you want to see our pretty faces. Otherwise, uh, you're looking at Spotify, Anchor FM, or Radio Public. So again, like or subscribe so we can carry on doing what we love. Welcome to the round table, gentlemen. Great to see you all here. I suppose we'll kick things off with the fun and games at one of the most beautiful racetracks that I've never been to, but I know you have, Bob <laughs> McMurray. Uh, Formula One at Mugello. We will speak IndyCar later on in the piece, but uh, the Formula One at Mugello, at, uh, a celebration of Ferrari. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to get it in cars. there. Yeah. Well, I might add that. They were actually a blood red car, weren't they? It was actually. Well, what colour was it? Maroon? Well, I'm not entirely Burgundy. sure. They keep disappearing all the time. Yeah, not unlike yeah. their fortunes this season. Yeah, it was some leftover paint they had from yeah. a few years back. <laughs> that's all they could afford. But, um, I, I, don't, I really don't know what to say after that race or those races because people are saying it was three races in one. Um, the one thing I will say is, apart from everything else, after the second red flag in the second race, which will be the fourth race, because I'm counting Monza as well, um, no, that would be the third race. Or was that the third race after the first? Or anyway, counting Monza as well, all I could think of was split ends. I see red, I see red, I see red. Red flags all over the place, which you, you can't really criticise them for pulling red flags. But what a bizarre... Bizarre race. A couple of races, in fact. What a bizarre place to, uh, not a place, bizarre Five. effort by all sorts well, of people. Well, it made perfect sense to have red flags everywhere because, again, celebrating Ferrari well, yeah. and, and, and they're red. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. They did it deliberately. They wanted it. They had no Tifosi there, so they had to work out a way of waving red flags somehow. Yeah, but, but wasn't it a staggering event generally? Go to the track, first of all. It is a beautiful track. It's absolutely beautiful. And like Spa, it doesn't um, – the TV pictures don't really do credit on the amount of elevation change and all that sort of thing. Just look at the last shot when they're coming around the last bend coming onto the straight. It's almost like an oval when they come around that long bend with the sort of banked bend. And, and the speed of it I, – I was staggered to realise that it was the third fastest track on the Formula One calendar – after Monza and Silverstone, which when you think of all those bends in it, geez, it must it must have been oh, tough, what? to say the least. Five Gs pulling around the corner, for goodness sake. I sakes. think the neat thing too was, you know, in the support races, F2 and, and F3, was cars were going five or six wide into that first turn, so there's plenty of width They didn't there always as well. come out five or six <laughs> wide, <laughs> did they? No, but it, it made for, you know, just such a visual spectacle as well, you know, it's... Really good. Now you've you've been there. I've yes. never been lucky enough to cast my shadow at Mugello. I was yeah. trying to work out. You, you mentioned the uh, elevation of that track, and I was putting myself in positions, trying to work out how steep this actually is and what the drop is actually like from the top down to the bottom. I was trying to compare it with Spa-Francorchamps because they look similar. But what is the drop like? Well, how big is the elevation it, from from top to bottom? Is not as high. Yeah, so, and it's not as steep in places. But it's gradual climb all the way up and a gradual climb all the way down. But there are some bits, and I've been talking about the the, the sort of chicane out the back, um, that 
all of a sudden it's a bit steep and it's the fastest part of the track. So it, don't forget this is a Ferrari-owned track. It's where they do a lot of testing of their cars, or they used to before it was uh, banned from testing on other tracks than your own track. But they still go there now and again with, um, with older cars to, to test. And it is a very popular track with motorcycles. The, 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 you know, motorbike boys, MotoGP, they love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, I, I don't, I can't give you an exact figure about the elevation. I, I just know that it, you can't get from what was called the base, the pit lane, and then look up the hill where the, all the trucks are parked. And you're looking probably 30, 40 metres higher, at least, I would say. So you've got to get there and get back down somehow or other. Mark of a great racetrack elevation. Of, of course. Really it's is. one of the I biggest things. Do, yeah. Doesn't it say how good Italy is in terms of the number? tracks it has that type of standard as well you know it's phenomenal when you compare it with you know spa um, with monza and and imola and, and places like that there's yeah. a, a huge well, pedigree there isn't there going to imola in um couple of races time next one is sochi and then it's back to imola but there's other ones all the way down through yeah. i mean there's Vallelunga, there's um which is a rome there's um Enepagusa, which is in sicily they're all they're all characterful Enepagusa actually it's just a circle around a Poisonous lake, but anyway, <laughs> that was a good place to go. Um, but yeah, I agree. The race itself, I don't know. What did you think? You saw it. I, I just shook my head half the time, and I was just thinking, I, I don't know where this is going. I, I like the, um, the all the restarts and how it was a battle between the two Mercedes as who's actually going to get off the line and what was the dominant position, either inside or out. Of course, that got turned on its head by the time they got to the yep. fifth or sixth restart. <laughs> Yeah. I'm being over the top there, but I thought that, that debate at the top was good. But that, that big, big, big crash, when you look at that from the very end and you watch the explosion of debris, of, of tyres, of carbon fibre, yeah. yeah. it was before the race had actually started. They already exploded in the background. That, that's yeah. premature. It, it, but there's all sorts of blame going on, mainly from the drivers at the back who were involved in it. So take it from the front. As has been said a dozen times, Valtteri Bottas did nothing wrong. It's, his whole um, reason is to get himself the most advantageous position without breaking the rules. And by going as slowly as you can, it breaks the toe from people behind. They can't actually get past you. didn't necessarily work with him, but anyway. Um, but So you, you, you can't blame him at all. And the guys at the very back, you can't really blame the guys at the very back because they can see the guys in front of them going fast. Who was to blame, I think, is if you'd look at it as a motorway shunt, who is to blame in a motorway nose to tail? It's the guy behind. So it's those guys' responsibility, whoever started suddenly backing off after accelerating, that have to take the responsibility for it. It's not the responsibility of the safety car. It's not the responsibility of the marshals or the, the officials. It's not the responsibility of, uh, of Bottas. It's the people in the middle who are race drivers, allegedly the best in the world, who... Had the shunt. Well, Bottas was very really smart the way he went about that because there are rules in place and he didn't transgress Perfect. any of those rulings. Yeah. He just used it to the best of his, of his benefit. And then it was behind where a bit of uh, white line fever, I suppose, got into the action there. Yeah. We're going to get around. Far. I, don't, I don't quite understand how these drivers think that in the space of a, of a one corner they're going to alter the outcome of the race short of finishing the race. Well, and the, that's all they achieve. Yeah, but the old thing, the old story is you make most of your passing manoeuvres at the start of a race. Yeah, not, you're crashing into manoeuvres, yeah. you're passing manoeuvres. They're two very distinctly <laughs> different Maybe things. make the most crashes <laughs> as well. I mean, in, in the first start, uh, the, the, the um, turn, what would it, the end of turn one going up into turn two when 
uh, Verstappen was taken out of it, although he said he was going to retire anyway because the engine had lost power or something. Well, it plainly did. You see the start of that yeah, car. Yeah. He just, like, stalled. Yeah. Well, he didn't stall physically, but he was, like, stuck in a swamp when everyone shot past him. Yeah, so. they still haven't really released the reason for that. And then Gasly got involved and Raikkonen was involved and all sorts of people. So it's a shame that they were involved in that shunt. But, but it's, it is a wonderful track there, but doesn't it narrow down on that little bit so quickly? I, I think it did anyway. And poor old Carlos Sainz was turned around as well. Vettel ran over his wing. I mean, all sorts of things were happening. So, so. We, had, we, had, we had two reds and two or two three. Reds. Two reds. And how many Andrew yellows? Reds. Three safety cars. Was it three safety um, cars? There, there was a lot of periods sitting two reds, behind three safety waiting. Cars, yeah. But if you look at some of the positives from the weekend, because there are positives, Alex Elbon on the podium, his first time on the podium, you know, and great positive for him. Couldn't have happened at a better time, really, with all these other rumours going on about maybe he'll go back and Gasly will come back and yeah, you know, a bit sick yeah. of that whole Red Bull thing. But and it's very cruel on drivers. So for him to do that is a big morale boost for his yeah. own. But you climb into bed with Red Bull, you expect that. Yeah, it's not get done like you somewhere. don't know. You've got to. You're always constantly looking behind yeah. you. That's a that's it's a paranoid state. That's the way Red Bull operate, and they yeah. reckon they're going to get the best. Yeah. out of their drivers by providing that pressure? Has it worked so far? At times. <laughs> At times. <laughs> it mixes a lot of people. From like time to time. It makes in the first place. Well, does he, that stand out? He went into that team as a junior. Yes. You know, and, and regarding the, the, the machine works in terms of driver cultivation, but some of the other teams are, are onto that game now as well in terms of driver development, you know, Ferrari particularly yeah. with, you know, Ferrari's Marcus Armstrong and a whole <laughs> team of people. But I, I just thought it was good that Alex finally got a legitimate podium and, and yeah. he earned it. Do you know, the worst thing is I read afterwards that so many people have said, oh, yeah, but he wouldn't have been on the podium if Max Verstappen was there. He wouldn't have been on the podium uh, if Max needed to be there. some of those cars were, you know, didn't have to pull out of science. What a lot of rubbish. You, you, you start the race and you finish the race and your position at the end of the race is what it is, yeah. not just because somebody else had a misfortune or not. He still had to drive. We're not talking supercars here. They're not no. just talking <laughs> three or four or five or six or seven races that you're going to work out your tyres no. and suddenly you get this artificial situation. We have a winner that really shouldn't have won. It's the nature of motorsport. And he, and he didn't what, what just tour around. He overtook people. In order to finish first. Yeah, uh, right. First time it's, it's it's true, and, and that's yep. the nature of it. You know, and yep. he got there, and he got to the end. I'm sure that uh, um, Ricardo's not entirely happy about that. He was just he had his tattoo pin poised, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> Albon's fortune was Ricardo's misfortune in many ways. But I that's suppose that's the game. Still, he wasn't fast enough. Um, Perez drove well, I suppose. Yeah, he kept her. He sort of went round and round and round. Lando Norris. I'm just going through the finishes. Lando Norris. Uh, he he was okay. I mean, he drove, he climbed up positions. He missed everything happening in front of him. Danny Kvyat, well, you know, then you go down to the people who are supposed who continue to be there. just going round and round and round, missing accidents. Leclerc eighth, oh good grief, and Sebastian Vettel tenth, just amazing. Poor old George Russell. I felt sorry for him because he stuffed up his last start. Yeah, and he he would have got a point for Williams. I mean, and it would have been a little bit ironic that Williams's first point would have been the first race after the Williams family pulled out, which is another sad thing. I know it's happened a couple of three weeks ago, but the we're going to feel the repercussions of that for a long time simply because there's no Williams family involved. It's a very sad thing for old farts like me who sort of grew up with the Williams family in, in Formula One. So all in all, I thought it was a quite 
Bizarre race. What do we make of the Perez move, considering he was under contract and now he's looking for a job? Could you just please explain the concept contract to me, David? (laughs) It's a piece of paper that you're given by someone and you sign on the bottom of it and supposedly it becomes a legal document, but really it's just a piece of paper (laughs) with your name on the bottom bottom of it. (laughs) But it depends how much that contract is valued in US dollar terms when the contract is torn up, because I'm sure Perez ain't going to be poor for an awful long time. But we debated it for a long time, you know, was the Stroll family factor going to come into play? Well, of course it was, you know. Yeah. Um, but Is Perez a better peddler than Stroll Jr.? I think so. But Is he a better peddler than Vettel? Yes. Vettel? Vettel. No, it's a... F- yes. But the two dies sit now, and now it's a case of if we're, you know, he may go, and you know, obviously we're going to talk about IndyCar later on because I've got a few rumours of things there, but... It's, it just seems a, a shame that it played itself out that way and so suddenly as well. And, and you know, Chico sort of had a fairly rough year with the COVID thing and, and then this. But again, that's that's the brutality of the sport at that level, isn't it? And that's just the way the game gets played. Well, no one's owed anything, are they? No. Nobody. Well, you're owed a contract. Um, if you sign a contract, really. It's a contract again, David. But, you know, in all honesty, and I know Lawrence Stroll, he told it, to many of us down here, he will do anything for his son to be a Formula One driver and a very successful Formula One driver, anything at all. And that's what he was saying in, in Toyota Racing Series. I actually think from his son's point of view, from his point of view, it wouldn't have been a bad idea for his son to go to another team for a couple of years. To get, you know, you, yeah. there's always going to be this mantle around him that he's only there because of a very rich father, which is probably true in many ways. He wouldn't have been there unless his father had bought, well, he might have been there, but anyway, beside the point, wouldn't it have been a good idea from his own point of view, his own mental um, stand on satisfaction his own. to actually go Cut to the apron team strings and go and risk something? Well, as a Formula One driver, you always come back to Racing Point or Aston Martin or wherever it was going to be at the time. I just think it would have been good to do that, and I would have loved to see Perez and Vettel in, in the same team. Yeah, this interesting with Vettel, they've basically just bought the brand, haven't they? They've not bought a driver. Uh, is that unfair? When you, when you look at what he hasn't achieved over the last couple of years with Ferrari and his attitude around it, it's have not, they actually purchased a driver or have they purchased a brand well, to help Aston Martin and to, to bring other sponsors along to bring... You, can, you can only look at a driver's worth at the moment, not from what he's being paid, but against his teammate. And frankly, Sebastian Vettel, is with a new chassis, he's being outdone destroyed. by his teammate. Yeah. Simple as that. Every race, five miles. And, you know, he's a four-time world champion, for goodness sakes. Um, you don't just forget he had a great that car that qualified at the front and he drives well on the lead. Yeah, yeah, is that being cruel? Now well, we're going to lose the, the, all of our Fettel fans. I'm really sorry about yeah. that. I'm the being big, brutal. The big thing is he's going to have to deliver in 2021, isn't he? Racing Point slash Aston Martin, they'll have to deliver, but so will Seb. You know, and he's going to have to yeah. insert his dominance over young Stroll because if he doesn't, then the exercise was kind of not what it should have been. I'm plainly not the biggest fan, but I don't wish Elon. It'd be fantastic if he turns up next year for Aston Martin and actually says, hold on, I'm not done yet. Yeah, and Check this out and laid it down and went, right, there you go. And it's I had real problems with Goodyear because they had a a terrible car. It didn't help my headspace. I had a young guy called Leclerc that was turning up and making me look stupid. So he's recalibrated, he's reset, he comes back and goes, this is why I was the four times world champion. Ta-da! Yep. And, and, and even though I'm not a big fan, as I said, I think that would be wonderful for the sport to see the resurgence of a guy like Vettel. I agree. And and this year, he has they have been able to hide behind the fact that the Ferrari is 
way down on performance mm. compared to when it was invest before it was investigated for the fuel and all sorts of things. Not pinning any labels there, but you know it's pretty bloody obvious. But next year, next season, he's got a Mercedes Mark II, which is exactly the same as a Mercedes Mark One being driven by the Mercedes team, except his is a pink one. So you know if he doesn't if he doesn't perform next year in the similar car, same engine and all the rest of it as. Um, as the Mercedes team, then he's really going to be shown up. Games really going to be shown up. Because Perez clearly, and Stroll to a certain extent, were getting on comparable terms with, with Mercedes very often in speed terms. Maybe okay. not race results, but speed terms. I guess for the next part of it, Kiwi things, F2, F3? Yeah, well, F2, why not? Yeah. F3 is, oh, we should talk about F2, but F3 has been possibly my, my favourite Category I so know, far this yeah. year, I've really enjoyed all the races. Well, I've got watched. really favourite in the last race, but yeah, Formula Two. Unfortunately, Marcus Armstrong um, did well um, in qualifying um, in the first race, but unfortunately, again, he didn't manage to uh, convert that. There's there's a there's a major disconnect, I think, somewhere between Marcus, his engineer, the car, the tyres, and something going on because his uh, teammate. Um, Lungard, you know, he he's way more competitive than Marcus. So and Marcus is a competitive is driver. And Marcus is a competitive driver. Even when he qualifies well, he slips back. And there's there's got to be some sort of disconnect going on there. And especially now when, you know, they've got um, another two rounds left, I think it is. So she, or maybe three rounds left, nine races, whatever it is. Um, I, I don't know. They've got to, some, something's got to be figured out because Ferrari are choosing their drivers for next year. At the moment, that's what they do. So he's got to stay on that train, otherwise he's going to fall off. Well, it could be a huge year for him as far as judging of character. Yeah. And I, I, you go through ups and downs in all manner of work that you have, and when you have a year like that where it just doesn't work, how strong are you? How, yeah. how, how good's your spine? How good's your attitude? Yeah. Do you sulk and walk off, Sebastian? Or do you? No. <laughs> I've got to stop this. Well, I, I, and it's pivotal for, for a guy like Armstrong who really has had a pretty story career so far, is he not? It is. It is. He is a fast driver. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But so there is, as I say, some disconnect going on. That is, is something isn't working, and it's uh, he needs to change. So going on to Formula Three, I can only go as far as the last race I saw in Formula Three, where Liam Lawson started and he finished, and there ain't nobody behind him. For, 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 <laughs> he gave it the, he the Hamilton, didn't seconds. he? Just drive away. Bye. Have your accident back there. I'm over here. See you but, later. But it's interesting that he said something after the race that they. That, they knew they just got to throw everything at it because he was out of the championship by that point. He lost the championship or the possibility of being uh, involved in the championship lead. Very in the first early race. in the season. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, in the first race, that's all, because right. he was still in the points block of being able to get there mathematically, yes, way, way away. But once that race was done, that was all there was to it. Um, so in the, in the um, sprint race, they decided to change major things on the car and go in a different direction. And it was a bloody rocket. It really was. He drove incredibly well. Yes, I know you can drive well from pole position when nobody's challenging you, but he had to get away from them. Then he had to do all those laps, 21 laps, inch perfect. And that's what he did. Yeah. And at speed, great speed. So I, I'm still impressed him. by the volume of cars in F3 this year. You know, like oh. if you're in that mid-pack area, you're really, really earning and you keep just as much as you are at the front, but it's it's just been it's been brilliant racing. It's a driver's category, isn't it? That's yeah. And it's it and it's the development of the sport at that you know, that, that pathway, shall we say. Yeah. So it's it's been great, you know. And 
been and great to our, our Kiwi guys. You know, they've done themselves proud. Regardless of where they've finished, they've still done themselves proud because they're competing against the world's best at that level, and they're there, so good on them. And yeah. what's been a pretty dramatic year for all concerned. Yeah, exactly. And just to wrap it up, really, um, in the two races, Liam was 10th, which gave him pole position from the feature race onto the other race, and then he won, obviously. But the championship was won by an Australian called Piastri, and uh, good on him for doing it. He got there in the end. The, the race was screwed up a little bit for the other challengers because um, poor old Sargent, the American driver, was... Uh, he was knocked off, basically, at the uh, famous turn one, two complex. Um, but nonetheless, Piastri won, Fauché second, Sargent uh, third, Vesti, and then fifth was Lawson on 143 points with the winner, Piastri, on 164. Well, that was so, part of that drama in that race, though, wasn't it? This uh, Piastri and Porsche situation about where they're going to finish and how they're yeah. going to finish and who's going to get in their way. So they, they pretty much forgot about Lawson because he was so far up the road. Yeah. He just lost right. all shots of them. But if that's where the action was, and I do enjoy that in coverage of motorsport. Go where the fun is. Go where the action is. As much yeah. as I want to see in New Zealand to do well, uh, this fight here, and we may see these guys battling again in F2 and again in F1. And that timeline that we see throughout these minor categories up into the top category, and you have that the same with IndyCar as well, it's uh, it's fascinating watching that, that story. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really do, do enjoy watching Formula 2 and Formula 3. I, not many people have mentioned it, but have you noticed that the Formula 2 have gone to the 18-inch wheels this year? I think I mentioned it before. Um, much bigger wheels instead of 13-inch. I've got used to them now. Which is, yeah, I quite like it. That's what I was going to say. I quite... You know, suddenly yeah. I'm thinking to myself at the weekend, I'm not even noticing them anymore. Well, that's what Formula One's going to use. Well, in, from in, F1 uh, down to your local car that you go to the shops, and you can never have too big a room. I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> ever, ever. So just wrapping that up, though, Mark Fogarty from Auto Action, one of our guests on the show, if you're listening to this or watching this, yes, that was an Australian driver that actually won yeah. something. Yeah, and good on him for doing it. He won the cha- You don't win a championship without winning a championship. You don't get lucked into it. Even now and then, an Australian like might win as well. But yeah, that's just. The <laughs> well, way there are a couple of Australians in there as well. Yeah, which is, same in IndyCar. We'll deal with them soon. One Australian's yeah. enough for me, thanks. Well, we will uh, go to uh, IndyCar shortly with uh, David Turner, uh, Bob McMurray. You can chime in as well. I'm sure I'll have a crack too. You're on the Racing World podcast again. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, uh, subscribe and like. Uh, that is on uh, the YouTube channel. It's uh, really key for us to carry on doing this. You can do uh, Radio Public, you can have a look at Spotify, and there's Anchor FM as well. Subscribe and like, you'll help us out heaps. This is the Racing World Podcast. Perspective Group is a leading media production company based in Auckland, New Zealand. Established in 2009 by former TVNZ producer David Turner, Perspective Group offers you a vast arrangement of media options to fit any size or budget. It covers truly global services supported by some of New Zealand's leading media talents. For more information, contact Perspective Group Limited at perspectivegroupltd at gmail.com and check out the website perspectivegroupltd.com where you'll find even more information on creating your media solutions. You have a dream. You have all the drive in the world. You have talent to burn. Now all you need is a chance. Toyota are committed to developing and nurturing New Zealand's next generation of world-class racing drivers. Because if you can dream it, we can do it. 
Welcome back to the Racing World Podcast. Our focus now is on IndyCar and what should have been almost possibly when you consider the history that Scott Dixon has, it should have been almost the victory lap, the two races before the end of the season to say, I've got this and Scott Dixon well, he turned into me behind the wheel, didn't he? Quite <laughs> frankly, I, we we shouldn't laugh about that. That was a that was a tough weekend for Scott Dixon, but you've got to be impressed by, especially in race two, the way he um, picked himself up, buckled himself up, and came back uh, to finish within Kiwi of Joseph Newgarden. So let's start from the start, though. What did you see at Mid Ohio? Because that was strange. Well, they just kind of never really hit their straps, you know, all weekend. The number nine car it just didn't do what we expect it to do at Mid-Ohio when you, when you look at the fact that Scott is the winningest most driver at Mid-Ohio of any active IndyCar driver Six. right now. Six. yeah. So we, I guess we all went into the weekend going, ah, well, there's another win coming, and it just didn't happen. But again, that's that's the, the nature of the game, isn't it? And, and the competition is that tough and it's that competitive. The good part about it is some of those people that did get big points this weekend aren't quite in the championship scenario, so it's softened the blow a little bit. But it also shows you that you have to be very, very careful in that championship, just like any other championship. You might have a big points lead one day and it can be eroded the next day, but I think there's still three, maybe two races to go, so game on. So he qualified very, very poorly for the opening race. Yeah. And was this was this tyre-based? Was this What was this? Just, for, for a place he calls his own, it was yeah, odd. Uh, they did say tyre a little bit, but I, I, I don't know. I just It just didn't click. And I guess if you're a team like that, you've got to put that behind you and now focus on IMS, where they go back to the road course there and go, right, well, we've got to get this right because we've won there earlier this year and uh, and get on with it. You know, the big thing with this year's championship, even though it's been up and down and all over the place, Scott has actually led it from day one, and that hasn't really been done in recent years, so there's there's still a lot of pressure on to convert this into, you know, championship title number six. So it's yeah, worth very if, interesting. If they've got three races left, that's a possible 150 points. Um, no more than that, 159. Plus, plus yeah, it's yeah. so a possible 159, and Scott currently leads by 62. So once again, as long as he's in the top. Top tens will do it. Points. It's still 20-odd points for a top ten. Well, whatever happens, if he finishes in front of Newgarden, yeah. he's looking good. Well, that's, that's an essential. It's not really where he finishes. Yeah. where he finishes in relation to Newgarden. That's, yeah. that's got to be the key thing for him. Yeah. He can't – well, I heard in the interview afterwards, you know, are you going to now settle? You've got this half-decent lead, and he goes, no, sir. Well, you can't. We've got to carry on winning. We've, we've yeah. had this discussion before. I must keep winning. Yeah. You get to the last race, suddenly you can actually race for the points. Can you not? Well, no, you don't like this idea, do you? You want to run and just keep trying winning. But no, they've got to come a stage at the end in the last race. If we get to Florida, yeah. or maybe the last race, the second race, the IMS, I'm going to have to drive for points here because uh, where's Newgarden? I've got to follow him. The, only thing, the only thing you're going to do, I think, is cause trouble. the same in, in any, any series anywhere, is if you get to the last race and your championship depends on you getting points, you're still in the race. You yeah. cannot plan to be third, fourth, fifth, whatever. You're still going to try and win the race. All you're going to do is maybe pull out of a 50-50 situation unless that situation is 60-40 in your favour. Which is what Scott wasn't in. doing in race two at Mid-Ohio no, 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 when no, he was going to charge his way from the back of the field. It he, was crazy. He openly admitted he did do that at Indy up against Sato where he said he could have gone a bit deeper, but he backed off knowing the fact that that was a safer bet to do. It's also the hallmark of a championship driver, even though it was the Indy 500. I think right now the big thing is that they know they're going to go back to IMS, two races there. We know we can run there with all the COVID hoo-ha. 
we don't still know fully about St. Pete. Come what may, you must be leading when you leave IMS in case there isn't a St. Pete. Yeah, have you heard any more about that? Is it, no. It's all gone very quiet as far as no. I can tell. I mean, is Florida still in? They're, they're all talking about it, so they're, they're assuming that it's going to happen. But I still just I can't understand why it would necessarily happen because of it being a temporary circuit. If it was a permanent yeah. circuit, then you go, yeah, okay, sure, it's going to happen. But, you know, time will tell. We, so, also, we all saw that spin. Well, that's what I was going to say. We haven't even talked about the Scott. elephant in the room yet with I, a rookie error, and he straight away fessed up to that. He goes, I don't believe I feel I so bad for the rest of my – it was bizarre. I can't remember seeing him make a spin like that, not in the last four or five years anyway. So, you know, it, it wasn't a pressured spin or anything. He said he put the overtake button on – while the wheel was on the um, on the curb, or slightly on the dirt, and that spun him around, and then he couldn't get it back going again because and then he, he drove through a swamp, he, yeah, he <laughs> a swamp and he nearly got stuck. I mean, that thing slowed it did. and started again. So he, he came all the way from last. Uh, you know how there's no luck in motorsport, right, Bob? No. When you spin at that speed in that area with all those cars behind you, pretty lucky you didn't get collected by someone, right? So you're telling a five, <laughs> you're telling a five-time IndyCar champion he was lucky. That wasn't his skill in any way, shape, or form. He was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll he lost control that. of the car and he oh. spun around and there was cars right up. I'm oh. sitting there with bated breath going, no! Oh, he's only in the mud. No! And but the drive back, back was incredible. Watching him come back through the yeah. field again, so exciting. If you think back, classic Dixon, and this is, this is why he is a five-time champion few years back at Portland when he got caught in that first first turn at Portland championship was up to state and he was buried in the dirt for probably ever he had the sensibility to dip the clutch keep the engine running came out went on two weeks later he won a championship that's the smarts of a driver rather than someone who goes oh well, I've spun it I'll give up you know so I just think that, that that says a lot about why he becomes a five-time champion yeah. but there's this also this um Fact, they kept bringing up throughout both the races at Mid-Ohio saying that uh, Scott has never won the championship when he has won at Mid-Ohio. Is that true? I if it is true, it's an American it's stats good. thing. Like, <laughs> wins or winning people, you know. So, but lots, lots of things going on in, in IndyCar since we last all met. So the first one, I've got news for you. I've got this. It arrived in the mail. Indy 500, limited edition cap. But here's the quirk, people. Here's the quirk. And I think it's either going to have lots of commercial value later on, or I've just bought a lemon. It's dated May 24th, 2020. Oh. The race that never actually happened. There you go. That's like, cool. Hey, it's like my, well, my Michael Schumacher world champion. So there we go. <laughs> so we've got that. And that. It looks like Salvation Army on the back. <laughs> no, it's not. It it's looks the like number Salvation edition. Army. Look. It has merit. <laughs> so we'll see. But anyway, that goes in the collection. Um, the big thing that has started with, with IndyCar is the, the rumours of drivers going here, there and everywhere. So I did a bit of research over the last couple of days uh, and, and some of the key teams, AJ Foyt currently have no drivers signed for 2021. So Charlie Kimball and Dalton Kennett, they may or may not end up back there. Obviously TK's supposedly finished. Um, is he having another farewell tour? He's having another yeah, farewell tour. Um, <laughs> then, then you start to look at the big teams. So the, And this is where it gets interesting. All the drivers at Ganassi, including Scott, don't have contracts for next year. And there was even a comment on Racer the other day saying, I wonder if they'll re-sign Dixon. Well, of course they will, you know. Chip's not that stupid. As opposed uh, to whom? But, <laughs> but, the, but the other two could Jimmy be interesting. Johnson. So, you know, the the uh, business manager for all three of those drivers, Stefan Johansson, who we both know, 
Um, he's got a bit of work to do to get those contracts over the line. Jimmy Johnson at Ganassi next year for road courses, almost certainly. He's Temptation. got to pay the money though, isn't he? Yeah, but that'll happen. It'll yeah. come with money. Temptation of him to do the 500, I think, is ramping up, but they've already linked TK to that drive as well, saying that maybe Kanam will drive the car for the 500 and Jimmy will do the road courses. But I think there might be that lure of wanting to do the 500. So that'll be interesting. Andretti Autosport. Uh, the only signed driver under contract so far for next year is Alexander Rossi. The other three, which is Hunter Ray, Veach, and uh, good old Marco, uh, don't have deals for next year yet, so they've got a bit of homework to do. Then we get to the big one, Penske. The only driver there signed for next year is Newgarden. So Mr. Pagano and Mr. Power, they got to do something. And then the big rumour there is the fact that it'll be a four-car squad next year and driver number four week. Kind of all know who that's going to be. That'll be a Kiwi guy by the name of Scott McLaughlin, not Dixon. Mm. Word around him actually tearing off to maybe compete at St. Pete's? Yeah, they've said that they, they, they will prepare a car, but the logistics of getting from Bathurst through quarantine and into St. Pete with the time frame they've got doesn't work. So I'm not quite sure how that He's good, play but it he's out. not that good. They, they want, <laughs> they've clearly indicated that something will happen. It's just a case of when. So... You know, the merry-go-round started already with those those bigger teams. Um, some of the smaller teams like Dale Coyne actually have Ferrucci and Alex Pliar kind of under contract already for next year. What's the value of a contract? Um, but, you know, so there's, there's plenty going on and the season hasn't finished yet. And traditionally, this weekend would have been where the season finished. So due to COVID, we're obviously carrying on. So in terms of competition for things, for television space, only in the US, we're saying here, Massive, because American football started now, ice hockey started, the NBA is still going, baseball is still going. It, it's huge. So, you know, IndyCar is going into territory that it hasn't done before in terms of television rating points. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Mm. Other big one from the weekend at Mid-Ohio, Hunter, um, Hunter McElroy on the podium again. Um, had, had a good race, had a bad race, one in the wet. Um, but, you know, another good performance for him. It's going to be a case of... Championship got away from him a little early on and couldn't claw it back. But, you know, still just like Marcus and Liam in Europe doing doing a great job. And this is the US Pro 2000 yes. Championship, which is uh, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a lead up to an IndyCar yeah. drive. So I think Hopefully. I think Hunter's done a good a good job this year. It's just been a harder year. But that sometimes I think that, that comes, comes when you've had a semi-dream year the year before. You've got to have you know, something that's probably a little bit more crappy the following year to harden you up and make you more hungry for it. And yeah. he's certainly hungry for it, so good job. Just going back to Scott, just to um, to say that with the points as it is at the moment, we talk about Scott and Newgarden, but there are other drivers who could win the championship. Yep. In fact, quite a few. Yes. Um, Scott's up there on uh, four, four, 456 points. Joseph Newgarden, 62 behind them. Pat Award, the um, McLaren Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, driver. <laughs> I mean, there's so many names in that team. Um, he's 118 behind. Then you get Colton Herter, Will Power, Takuma Sato, all of whom are mathematically possible uh, championship winners. Um, but in practice, the way championship points go or the race points go in Indy, probably none of them are actually really 
in contention, I, I would say. Yeah. Maybe they are. I think race one at IMS will be quite critical to how some of that plays itself out. It's going to be bloody cold out. there as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it'll October. be cooler than normal. <laughs> and that run to the first turn, you know, this year was the first year that we hadn't had an accident there. So, you know, now that they're going back, they can have another go. Yeah. The only other driver in that whole driver scenario for next year that's unsigned at the moment is Mr Sato. He doesn't have a deal with, with Rahals at the moment, but Bobby has said... We want them back. So, Indy car winner. That, well, that, Indy that 500, will 500 that, winner. That will happen. It'd be a tough know. call, wouldn't it? Yeah. When the Indy 500 get dropped. Yeah. What's on yeah, a contract so, day? <laughs> yeah. It's quite, a, quite exciting times ahead. But if yeah. one, if two, if three, Indy car and across, we've got other categories running in the weekend as well, though, haven't we, Bob? You had a good look at that. Well, keeping on four wheels. Yeah, there was quite a lot going on. Keeping on four wheels, NASCAR, Richmond, they're into their, you know, their. Um, Playoffs. Uh, playoff series and all that sort of thing. Brad Keselowski won that race, in fact, dominated it. This is his, he said he was going to. This was at Richmond last weekend. 400 laps of Richmond. My God, you get kidding. <laughs> it's not that big a place. Uh, Truex Jr., Joey Logano, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott. That's going to warm up as the, the races go on because they're going to start eliminating some people. At Super GT with um, quick, uh, quick Nick, Nick Cassidy out there. Not quite so quick was Nick. Uh, they finished sixth, him and Rio Hirakawa. Um, in the Tom's Toyota, and um, yeah, there was a. I didn't actually see the race. Sometimes I try and watch it on, on live, but uh, he's on in the championship. He's on forty three points, which um, puts him. Um, let's see, third overall. Just trying to run through, um, and also we go to two wheels. We had, believe it or not, a MotoGP at uh, San Marino. It's um, at Misano, Italy. I remember going there a while ago as well, and that's a lovely track for bikes. I wouldn't want to put cars around there, not Formula One cars anyway. I think the biggest um, thing you can take out of that race was not only was it exciting, I mean, how can a bloody MotoGP race not to be exciting? It's just fantastic. Uh, Franco Morbidelli won it from Francesco Bagnaia. Joanne Mir Suzuki was third, only just from Valentino Rossi, who was second so long in the race. He was just second for almost every lap apart from the last two or three, which was fantastic. He has said uh, that he regrets starting the um, the uh, Rossi 46 uh, farm that he has to, to promote drivers because his drivers beat him. And <laughs> a rider, sorry, <laughs> his riders beat him. So there you go. Um, Alex Renz was uh, fifth, Maverick Vinales sixth, Davizioso seventh, Jack Miller was eighth. He's having a really good season for his first proper season out there in the uh, Ducati. So the point situation now, Davizioso 76, Quartararo 70, Jack Miller 64, Johan Mir 60, Vinales 58, in, um, even with Valentino Rossi um, on 58. And... You know, none of this would be the same if Mark Marquez was back, and he's still not back. He's still, I think, I'm sure, pretty sure he's out for another month, but uh, I don't know. He had a fairly big break in his arm, his wrist, or whichever bit of bone he hasn't broken before, <laughs> he probably has anyway. And then yeah. finally, we have motorsport. Well, we've had some anyway, but motorsport back on track in New Zealand, and uh, Hampton Downs this weekend. You're going to be out there? I'm yeah, going to be out there. I'm going to be there. Um, you know, a non-championship Toyota 86 race. Uh, this is my daughter's 10th birthday. I will not be out there. I'm <laughs> oh, sure you understand. He, he wants sure to you experiment the tin can and piece of string. Oh, Somebody, wouldn't you actually, your daughter would love going to a motor race meeting. No problem. Uh, final, final round, which is a championship round for Ryko 24-7 Utes, and then, of course, the endurance races, which kicked off last weekend in the South Island uh, with a blinding finish, 0.587 of a second, separating first and second at the end between the all-new Aston Martin entry 
out of the IMS stable, and then Johnny Reed and Co. also out of the IMS stadium, stable in, in an Audi. So great weekend of, or great Saturday of, of motorsport at Hampton Downs as part of the yep. Speedworks events program. And as you would have seen from the the, uh, the runner, is that what we call ticker. it? The, the ticker. ticker at the bottom of the screen, that's the thing. The ticker at the bottom of the screen next weekend on the international scene, the Le Mans 24 hours. I mean, that's crept up on me like crazy. So we'll we'll see Brendan Hartley in that. We've got the supercars start there. Um, is it the third race from the end? Whatever it is, because we've got the last one at uh, Bathurst and then these two races at the Tail and Bend. Tail yeah. and Bend. And it's due so, to be an announcement this week about what they're going to do with crowd at Bathurst. Yeah, so that's by right. next week we'll be able to tell everyone about that. And they're all sponsored now by, or going to be sponsored by um, good old Repco instead of Super Cheap. It's gone. So once again, we've got the Indy Pro League with um, uh, Laguna Seca with um, uh, Hunter McElroy. NASCAR at Bristol, which is even smaller. Um, the FIA WRC round, that, that's happening in Europe, somewhere around um, Turkey this coming weekend. German touring cars in Nürburgring. British Touring Car Championship with Dick Bennett, who we must get on because um, he is leading, him or his drivers or his team are leading every single championship involved with the British Touring Car Championship generally. Every, every marker is at the top of British Formula 3 at Donington, MotoGP, at uh, Emilio Romagna circuit, which is Imola. Uh, and then Formula One's going there soon as well. World Superbikes at Catalunya. Um, no Formula One this weekend, which is Shock a relief, to be honest. Wow. And national events, as you say, and these are all subject to change because we don't know what COVID yeah. are doing. Autocross, Duckman Day, Wairarapa, Drift South, uh, Mike, Miro, uh, Mike Piro Motorsport Park, Golden Homes North Island Endurance Series, as you were talking about, with the 86s there and Utes and things like that. ITM Winter Series at Taupo Motorsport Park. Kakariki Gravel Autocross at Manawatu, Quinn Road Interclub Hill Climb Coromandel, Southland Sports Car Motocana at Teratonga, and Transpec GT Oil Manfield Open Day at Manfield Auto Course. Get along. Support motorsport. Who needs however, a crowd? However, I will have to say that um, <laughs> the event at Hampton that we're going to be at is a no crowd event. So it's a no crowd. Get along, event. Sorry. But don't yeah. get along. Yeah, and it's, however, only, it's only Friday, Sunday, anyway. However, there is a live stream of that event, and there also is a TV package for all three categories that are there. So you'll be able to yeah. see that. Yeah, on a free to wear network. So basically, that is for competitors, not for you, <laughs> yeah. the public, to go along and have a look. So we get don't get hunted down by Doctor Jeffrey Bloomfield or anything <laughs> like that. Jeffrey. Oh. Sharp as a marble, today. we all are here <laughs> at the Racing World Podcast. And that, I believe, is it for us. It'll do me. Yep. It'll do you as well. Too right. Uh, remember to subscribe and to like, especially if you're on YouTube. If you across the uh, other platforms, do the same for us so we can continue to bring you Racing World Anchor FM. We've got uh, Radio Public and Spotify as well. Thanks very much for listening, indeed watching the prod- podcast. We'll be back again next week. Here at Racing World. And throw a comment into or two as well. Let us know what you think or what you don't think about it. Yeah, so Mr. Zemanski, when you're watching this in your cafe in New York, uh, we wait for your comments. Thanks very much. And Fogarty, no, we don't want you to comment at all. It's the last <laughs> thing we need. See you, everyone. Bye. Race Control Magazine is your IndyCar fan mag and so much more. Publishing monthly online on issuu.com, you'll find Race Control Magazine there for you to download and enjoy everything IndyCar and so much more.
Behind-the-scenes features, race reports and the entire Road to Indy series are just part of what you'll find along with stunning images captured from the series' leading photographers. Grab your copy today at iwsw.com to complete your motorsport read. drive in the world. You have talent to burn. Now all you need is a chance. Toyota are committed to developing and nurturing New Zealand's next generation of world-class racing drivers because if you can dream it, we can do it. Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine.